Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. And I'm Albert. And coming up, we'll be speaking to OK Toshi about the cryptocurrency distro RockOS. But before that, let's do a bit of news. And the first piece of news which I expect everybody knows about already is there's a new Pi camera. Yeah, new 8 megapixel model. And uh, they announced this the day after we put out the last show. So yeah, thanks guys. That was uh, <laughs> <laughs> that worked out really well for us. So it's two week old news at this point, but it's still excellent news, isn't it? Eight megapixels and a much better sensor than we had before. And we've got the Pi Noir one as well, which is the, the infrared one for the, the dark stuff. And I'm really, really tempted to get one. Yeah, they are both, I mean, individually $25. I've had the regular cam module for quite a while now and i love it but i've not bought a pi noir one yet and i'm really thinking now is the time to get not just a noir but the new one as well it looks like they improved the was it the lens shading and the auto white balance which is if you don't know auto white balance is basically where you get the true colors out of the picture regardless of what the lighting is that the picture was taken in and joe i highly recommend you get a camera because there's i feel like it isn't the most base hardware piece you can get for the raspberry pi for almost all projects you see yeah i have one of the the the, the old five megapixel one and i used it recently at uh, one of the uh, events in the school with the kids and the eight megapixel yeah looks looks interesting seeing some interesting um pull some people about using them and they're it's it's slightly different the picture that you get so um it looks like the 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 optics and the the sensor has made a, a bit of a difference so we'll just have to see how people get on with it yeah, that was something I was going to add in there, Albert, was that even with the 5 megapixel one, I don't really notice that. I mean, I notice just really good pictures. I use it for some motion detection stuff and what else? I think I've done some security stuff as well in my Raspberry Pi and the camera. But, I mean, it's great they've improved it. It's awesome. I'm looking forward to getting one. But I think the old, and if you can't afford this one or you don't can't get one, there's no real reason to worry. The old one's just as good, I feel like. Yeah, and if you want the uh, the latest and the details on it, it's um, in the latest edition of the Magpie magazine, issue 45. It's got a, a, a obviously a large spread giving more details on the camera. Yeah, all the tech specs and everything are there. And also in that magazine, there's details on 11 arcade machines that are being built with the Raspberry Pi, including this IKEA LAC table one, which looks really cool, especially as I had no idea IKEA did such cheap tables. I know they did, you know... <laughs> Pretty cheap stuff, but this one is what uh, six pounds for a table. It's just asking to be hacked and made into a gaming cabinet, isn't it? The instructions for this are really easy. Unfortunately, I don't have the space nor the tools to do this. But I haven't been to IKEA. I feel like in ages either. But I feel like if either one of you wants to do this, I'll happily buy you the table or sit to your place <laughs> so you can do this for me. I, I would love to see this in action. I think it's like, I can stretch to six quid, it's okay, don't worry. <laughs> but I've got an old monitor, an old 4.3 monitor that's just kind of sitting there not doing much. And uh, so I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I should get around to doing this. Because I've got most of the tools to do that, I think. Yeah, and the great thing is most of them are using um, RetroPie as the, the software platform. So, you know, we spoke to them uh, in a previous episode. So if you scroll back, you can find out more details on what RetroPie can do for you and uh, then build your IKEA um, arcade table. Yeah, RetroPie is an absolute no-brainer for this. It's just instantly going to be getting you up and running. So it's, it's definitely what I would use for that. 
Yep, and moving on to the news, it looks like the Pie Wars have moved to the spring of 2017, and the main reason they're doing this, looks like, is to get schools involved, and I'm really glad to see this because since Pie Wars first started, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and I feel like this is what the Raspberry Pi has done best, which is, and Pie Wars resembles this, makers and hobbyists getting the ball rolling, which is what the first two Pie Wars were really all it was. And then kids and schools get involved in the mix, and it really takes the pie to the realm or the level the, that the Raspberry Pi Foundation strives for. So I'm glad to see they've moved it off, and I really can't wait to see some of the entries for the next Pie Wars. Yeah, I think the um, one of the comments I saw was that they thought that the school groups would come in as classroom time, so, you know, part of their computing in schools, but it seems to be mainly after school clubs. And they just need a bit more time to be able to get themselves together uh, to prepare for the Pi Wars. So hopefully early spring there should um, be a new Pi Wars and let's hope there's uh, a lot more uh, schools involved. Albert, don't you do like a little after school coding program? Is that correct? Yeah, I do. We used um, we, we didn't use the Raspberry Pi this year. We used a Crumble and a special Crumble bot that is a small little robot chassis with uh, light sensors and uh, RGB LEDs and, and those kind of things on it. And the kids had great fun playing with those. So they did line following and they did light sensing and they did one of the girls in the group. Actually, she got, she got a fantastic reaction in the assembly, whatever it was, 400 kids in front of her. And she said it dancing to uh, Uptown Funk. And the kids were literally standing on the benches. The, the teachers had to tell them all to sit down because it became a bit of a hazard. So <laughs> always good. So I could imagine it'd be even better with, with a pie. Are you going to try and get uh, them involved in this next Pie Wars? Uh, not me, because it, the timing doesn't suit for when I do the club. I only do it for a short period each year um, okay. because of work. But it, it's definitely a, a, a good one. Awesome. Sounds good. And it uh, looks like in this next story, we have uh, some nerd that loves to see how far he can take the Raspberry <laughs> Pi and Minecraft. Albert, do you know anything about this story? I shall answer to the word nerd. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, at, at the Pie Party. Um, I videoed Reels, Real VNC um, forwarding uh, Minecraft, which was kind of the last the last thing that was needed. Previously, it just came up as a black box, um, and they, the Real VNC guys got it forwarding. So now you can basically boot up your Raspberry Pi, run VNC server on it, and forward the whole desktop, including Minecraft, to your PC. Um, and it worked, it worked, it, well, it just worked is the politest way of putting it. I followed Andrew Mulholland's guide on how to set up um, OTG on the Pi Zero. Um, and then I installed the real VNC server on the Pi Zero. And then I just forwarded it all over a USB cable as well. So if you've got a Pi B plus two or three, because they've got a USB hub in them, the OTG thing doesn't work. Um, but the Pi Zero, the single USB port is directly tied to the Broadcom system chip and also the extra ID pin comes out, um, which means you can power and uh, effectively set up your USB connection as if it's an Ethernet connection and then you just connect over the IP. So it means you can access, control, use your Raspberry Pi from a single USB cable. And on the Minecraft side, it's alpha. The real VNC code is alpha. You can download it. I had no problems with it. Uh, the only tip I'd say is make sure you do the optimization. Without the optimization, I'm looking at it going, okay, it's alpha. The moment I did the optimization, there's just three small changes that need to be made. And once you make those, absolutely smooth. It was beautiful to use. 
And this is a pretty big deal, isn't it? Because Minecraft doesn't use X, does it? It just um, uses the frame buffer directly. So it's a very tricky thing to kind of push over the network, isn't it? This is massive. Yeah, it's it's not part of X, so VNC doesn't normally handle it. So they've obviously had to do something interesting and exciting in the background to make this work. But if you think about it for um, a school setup, schools normally have an ICT suite full of computers, probably running Windows or Macs. If they want to use uh, the Raspberry Pi to do coding, um, to get at those GPIO pins, then they need a whole different setup or the ability to unplug all of the monitors. And if they're VGA, they won't plug into the Raspberry Pi, need an adapter. But with this, you just set up the Pis with an image that has the OTG enabled for the Pi Zero. You plug it into the USB port. Windows naturally downloads all the drivers to turn your USB port into an internet connection, gives it an IP address. You open up the real VNC viewer on your Windows PC, entering the IP address of your Raspberry Pi, and it just connects. And then you've got the full desktop comes up. So you get the full um, desktop environment, Raspberry environment. You're not dropped to a, a prompt. So everything you can do then on the Raspberry Pi, you can do from that other environment. And I actually uh, tweeted RealVNC just to verify that for education, their non-commercial license is used. So they have a commercial license, which has got full encryption and all that good stuff that commercial organizations need for VNC. But the Raspberry Pi version, if you do not use it for commercial, commercial purposes, which includes education, um, you don't have to pay for it. It's free, which is which is brilliant news. So does this mean that it's only the Pi Zero? You mentioned there that it, to use the OTG stuff, but can you do it um, just over Ethernet then? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm probably confusing. Real VNC forwarding of Minecraft works on the Raspberry Pi, the Zero, B+, plus, 2, 3, all over the over network, it'll do that. So if you plug in a Wi-Fi dongle into the Pi Zero, it'll work. The others all have Ethernet. Um, so yeah, that just works. And then an added bonus is if you have a Pi Zero, then the OTG system on the Go USB will allow you to power and connect over a single USB cable. So this is kind of two stories in one. This sounds like an excellent way for schools to do it then, because as you said, rather than having to buy screens and peripherals, you can just do it all over the, the Windows machines then. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if what you want to do is get at Minecraft for coding, guess what? The school could put a bank of 10 Raspberry Pis in a corner and enable them with fixed IP addresses. And then 10 computers, you give each kid, here's an IP address. That's the one you log into. And everybody logs in. If you want them to get at the uh, GPIO pins, then yeah, you just put them on the desk next to them. And if you use, again, the easier one, the Pi Zero, do it over USB. Here's your here's your Raspberry Pi Zero. Here's your USB cable. Plug it in. Connect to 169.254.64.64 and away you go. It It is literally that simple. And it took about 20 minutes to set up uh, in the first place. And that was it. And it works brilliantly. So the next Pi Academy in the US is going to be quite near you, isn't it, Isaac, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, on August the 13th and 14th? Yep, it's going to be at the Digital Harbor Foundation in Baltimore, and it looks like another lucky 40 educators will get to learn and train from some of the best and brightest in the Raspberry Pi community, and I'm really debating on whether or not to go up there anyway, even if I don't get accepted. So, Stand outside, so, <laughs> drooling at the glass. Yeah, yeah. I know. 
Yeah, just. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's right there in Baltimore. I surprised to see that we we're going to be doing this when I went to the what was it? The Science Engineering Festival here in D.C. a couple weekends ago, which was thousands of people. At the Raspberry Pi booth they were running, it was Matt Richardson, and he had a few other people helping him, but he was the main person running it. And while we were talking, a lady who was an educator was asking Matt some questions, and he brought this up that they were hoping they would be able to do it in Baltimore, but it was not for sure yet. And it looks like it is now, and I'm really pleased to see that. It looks like, too, they done this really well because the last one was in uh, i can't remember the exact location but i know it was in california so they're basically at the west coast down and now they've got the east coast which makes me think they're trying to do a couple more they're going to perfectly scan them throughout uh, america trying to get the educators right where they need to be so i really like what they're up to and i'm going to try and attend anyway so we'll see what happens <laughs> And the, the, the US Pike Academies, they look way bigger than the ones that are happening in the UK. So, you know, 50, 60 educators at one time, which is brilliant. So they're, they're making a big impact. I suppose a, a, a big landmass to cover. And if you can do more at one time and keep the quality up, then it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I think, I, honestly, I, I can't say 100% here because I do not live in the UK or anywhere in Europe. But I just feel like, I feel like Linux ta- it has a better stronghold in that area of the world versus America. So I feel like the Raspberry Pi Foundation has a little bit of things they have to do, which is one, try not only get them to understand this is the Raspberry Pi, here's what you can do with it, but it runs on Linux, and now you've got to go down this other road of getting them to understand a little bit of Linux. But I'm sure they do a good job of culling that out and perfectly getting somewhat tech-savvier people. I can't remember who we interviewed, but someone brought this up to us that they did a great video and Maybe it's Cat Lamon. They did a great video on everything that kind of got them into the mix to be an educator. So I'm sure they know what they're doing when it comes to this. But I feel like in America, it's a little bit not harder, but that might be one reason why the Raspberry Pi is taking longer to take off here because most, a lot of people here don't know Linux, much less what the Raspberry Pi is. I mean, where I work at, hardly anyone knows what the Raspberry Pi is until they talk to me. Then they, then they probably hear too much about it. So yeah, I think, I think the UK is a bit of a bubble. I think here it's, it's, fantastically well known. I've to- spoken to some people from France and Germany and they're saying that, you know, the profile of the Raspberry Pi definitely isn't as high in those countries. So I think the UK obviously being, being home ground where the BBC have given the coverage has meant that it's, it's more popular. Um, but it looks, yeah, it looks like they're slowly but surely working to conquer the world. Yeah. I think they are slowly but surely conquering the world and America seems like just the logical next step, doesn't it? Definitely. And up next in the news, we have a really great story about Raspberry Pis being used for radios in Syria. And I cannot stress enough how huge this story is and this project really is. Because here you have a country and its people that are facing what feels like a never-ending war. And God knows how bad it really is in some places. And yet you have people coming together to use the Raspberry Pi to overcome the odds that they face on a daily basis. And this radio network they put together... It has to be a major morale booster to the people and what they're up to. And it looks like it's connecting not just the people, but reporters as well. And I'm really glad to see this project coming along. I'm glad to hear about it. And I really wish the best of luck to everyone that's involved in this. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is massively inspiring to see this coming together. Because as we know, the media makes a big difference in a country. You know, if you can hear all sides of the, the argument and in many cases hear the truth, then it allows people to make better uh, decisions. And I think that's exactly what this is doing, is it's giving the people of Syria a voice where they may not have had one before, and it gives 
potentially an alternative view that may or may not be permitted. I mean, my knowledge of the politics in Syria is limited, but for me, this, you know, anything that gives balance is definitely worthwhile. Yeah, and some places in Syria have got really spotty internet, so they have to rely on things like radio to communicate and have kind of networks of radios. So using the Raspberry Pi really lowers the cost of that and makes it much more practical. So it's it's really great to see this, and hopefully some other countries will uh, take inspiration from this and, and do the same thing. Yeah, I think you also have the issue here too of a country that, where there is internet or some radio, it is very regulated by the government. Mm. So it's good to see something like this coming together. Yeah. And now for something completely different. Um, we've, we've all seen a number of boards come out where the little 40 pin header is says it's a uh, GPIO, you know, Raspberry Pi GPIO compatible. Well, there's a, a new one on the block, but it's servicing a different purpose. So, uh, Ryan Walmsley from Ryan Tech has released a board on Kickstarter. And let me just check. As of recording, it's at about £6,200 of £8,250 with 22 days to go. We had over 360 backers. And what this is, is it's designed to bring the ability of the Raspberry Pi to connect boards and connect devices to it, to your PC. So it's not a Raspberry Pi, but it is a Raspberry Pi GPIO compatible header. So you can plug on the Raspberry Pi hats and then connect to them and control them over USB from your computer. So it's, uh, I think the early bird was nine pounds, which is what I got in at. Um, but it's a standalone board. You plug it into your PC. It shows up a device and then you can program it in Python and using the, the Raspberry Pi GPIO commands to, to control things and use it. So it's a great way as well for prototyping. If you don't want, you know, you can just plug it in and you program it, write my code works, transfer your code across to your Raspberry Pi, and it'll still work because it's the same headers, the same connectors. Um, everything is, is fairly much the same. Hmm. You know, uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm saying that because I saw this in the show notes, I read over it, and I was still somewhat confused on what I'm reading. And I think you might have just now sold me on it, Albert, because it, honestly, what really surprised me about this project was that they have a spreadsheet you can go look at to see all the boards that this, uh, what it's called is the RTK.GPIO. Yep. You can see what's all compatible with. And I had no idea how many boards were really out there. I mean, I knew there were a bunch and I, it feels like every day there's a new one coming out, but it's not until someone puts it down on paper <laughs> that so, then they're like, Hey, here's all the boards currently, you know, and I was just dumbfounded. Like, Oh my gosh, there really is a problem. And we've, us three have talked about this offline before about this compatibility compatibility issue. I'm glad to see someone is trying to take the initiative to try and bridge the gaps here. And I might have to get on this now after what you've just sold me on, Albert. Yeah, it, to me, the most interesting thing is this connected purpose for your normal desktop computer. But also, it, to me, it really enforces, reinforces the fact that the Raspberry Pi Foundation's 40-pin header and the connections on that have kind of become a de facto standard. You know, it's kind of like if you're making a small board, then it's going to have a 40 pin header and the connections are going to be these. Your five volt lines are going to be here. Your 3.3 is going to be here. Your GPIO control lines are going to be here. Your SPI and your I squared C lines are all going to be in these locations. Um, because that's now what people are starting to expect, which is, which is brilliant. Cause like any, any standard, even if it's not we say uh, an ISO or anything, once it becomes normal for people to use it, it means it broadens the usage. It makes the market bigger. So more IO boards can be made because they can be used by more people. 
So yeah, so good luck to Ryan, and uh, I hope it gets funded because I want my one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's hoping. So that'll do it for the news then. Let's move on to the interview. We're now joined by OK Toshi, who is the creator of RockOS. So welcome. Welcome, John. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, no problem. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, sure. I'm OK Toshi, as the crypto community knows me. I'm the creator for the Rock OS operating system for the Pi devices. It includes uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, so people can start using them and learning mo- more without the need for technical knowledge at the be- beginning of it. I started on the cryptocurrency environment around 2012 with Bitcoin, but I got fully into it at 2013. The RockOS project, the first release, we got it out uh, around June on 2015. And well, it, it's been having a, a great acceptance by the communities, the different cryptocurrencies and IoT communities, uh, because it really is the access and usage of it. One of the main goals behind its creation was to break uh, a high-cost wall that was starting to be created between the IoT devices and the cryptocurrencies integrations by these companies that started taking the Pi hardware, making their OS, but they were selling the devices real expensive, like $400, you know? (laughs) So I thought that creation of the OS with a free distribution of it would break down that barrier and invite more users to both systems, the IoT devices and to the cryptocurrency systems. So you talked about cryptocurrencies there. Can you give the listeners a little bit of an explanation as to what exactly that means? Oh, for sure. Uh, Cryptocurrencies is a new technology, but it relates directly to money. It's like digital money. Uh, but on the contrary of the actual methods of digital money, it cannot be copied. It has a limit, uh, like gold and other precious metals, and they have no direct human interactions on the algorithms of creation. That means uh, the, the digital money is secured by the same hashings, functions, and algorithms from the code. That means that uh, the system cannot be in some sort of way corrupted or um, managed for the benefits of some of the users. The system works uh, the same way for every user. So um, the first coin that create that was created, maybe some people have heard of it, is Bitcoin. Bitcoin was created around 2008. Well, it got released around that time. And it's been getting huge acceptance over the world in different aspects. I mean, because it's like a decentralized technology. And the coins or the money that you can transact from each of the wallets, the wallets are uh, software that you can download to any platform where you can use it. As uh, your own bank, you can have your coins over there and send them to everyone you'd like. But that's just one of the appliances of 
this new technology. There's a lot of new, uh, different decentralized technologies that are getting born from it and in different aspects of life. Like, for example, that Uber pay those taxi services around different countries. That's started some of kind of uh, being a decentralized technology. They ended up centralizing at the end, but uh, the beginnings, the ideals, uh, was, was to be uh, a system created by the users for the same users. So they will take out a lot of costs, like same way banking, um, all the paperwork and extra costs. So it's really breaking a lot of paradigms and increasing the, you could say, democracy or decentralization of authority over different environments. Uh, in easy words, it's digital money. Uh, to start using it, you just need to download a wallet and you can buy it over different exchanges. You can earn it in different communities by doing some tasks, for example. You can uh, visit some pages with giveaways. There's a lot of um, different methods where people can start interacting with it to get it to know it better. And in the first place, it's mined, isn't it? We're using pretty powerful computers. That's correct. At the moment, there are uh, two main methods of creating uh, cryptocurrencies. For Bitcoin, for example, that it's the, the method is called proof of work. What this means is that a computer starts, uh, well, computing or trying to solve these different algorithms. And when they solve the algorithm, it's when they get the, the return, the coin return. This, this hashing function uh, works in uh, some pieces of data that are called blocks. So when when the, this device or computer uh, solves a block, which is an encrypted algorithm, it gets uh, some coins in return that gets shared be between all the participants that helped to solve that block. All these blocks are connected in a public uh, chain, hence the name uh, blockchain. These databases, one could say, are permanent and public. And as we just said, they can't be altered by human interaction, which makes it one of the most uh, like secure or permanent systems. Even some governments are starting to propose some copyrights methods with its use precisely because they had a, a, a date and all the full information of that block converted into a hash. And so each, each of these hashes, because all the different properties are unique. So they can't be like repeated after or anything. So they can prove the creation date of any new claims or inventions for example they can be proof of creation so rock os is based on raspbian and there's a few different versions of it then can you tell us a bit about that 
Uh, RockOS for the Raspberry Pi devices is based correctly over Raspbian. The Raspbian release they share directly over the P Foundation. I, I choose that way because one of the most uh, used distributions at the moment for the Pi devices, in my opinion, is the Raspbian. So new users that may, might not know about cryptocurrencies, but they are already working in projects over the Raspbian. They could use the operating system with all the compatibilities and all the, the behaviors they already know in the system. So I noticed on version 5 of RockOS, you've got a lot more cryptocurrencies being implemented. What are the steps? Say I had a cryptocurrency. What are some of the steps in order for me to get my cryptocurrency put on RockOS that need, I would need to go through? Sure. Okay. Uh, the OS is released for free for everyone to download and use. And so I had to find a way to find some funding. Uh, the way I created it is by letting other cryptocurrencies to join. Because when I released RockOS, I started with two cryptocurrencies. Those are Bitcoin, because it's the first one and the creator of all this crypto environment, really. And the second one is OKCash, because I'm the creator and lead developer. We started that one in November 2014. So I started with these two coins and another more communities started to gain interest. So I came with that solution to charge some claiming costs or donation, you could say, from the cryptocurrencies that would like to be added into the system. So I can continue to develop and acquire new devices to release new operating systems for free as well. That will include the, those claiming cryptocurrencies. Aside of the claiming donation, uh, the cryptocurrency must have, uh, or at least the developer or, or administrators for the cryptocurrency must, must be, uh, known people. Or the cryptocurrency should have at least six months to one year uh, from its creation. And I take a look into their communities uh, just to see if they really support the users. Because I give uh, precisely more support to the ones that really support their users. I think that's the real way to make all the crypto environment grow so more people can feel their benefits because as it's new technology uh, a lot of users get scared to be honest because it's new technology and in, it involves money or value you know so a lot of users they're a bit of scared of starting to use them because they they feel that they will do something wrong and they will end up losing something so the same rock os is an attempt to bring uh, new users to know both devices, the IoT devices and the cryptocurrencies as well, because a lot of people does not even know what an IoT device is or all the potential that it could bring. Yeah, that's a really great point that a lot of people don't even know what IoT means or a device. On top of that, uh, plug in cryptocurrencies that people are even equally more lost. I have... Um, I've never seen an OS like this before. I think it's uh, really amazing what you've done. What was the hardest part about implementing Rock OS? Uh, 
Thank you. Uh, well, the hardest part was to integrate the Qt uh, development environment, but on its latest version, because a lot of these cryptocurrencies as are new technologies, does require uh, new modules of the Qt environment, like the QML or those that involve Open OpenLS 2G. So that was the real hard part in the beginning because Qt uh, it's same more to Linux or Windows systems, uh, or more than that to 32 bits and 64 bit processors, and the IoT devices does use ARM processors. So it's like all new uh, kind of technology. Even Qt does not have all the modules ready for compilation for the AMP devices. So it's a lot of testing, researching uh, different proposals of solutions to then uh, make it work all together. And that's in fact one of the benefits of the system because um, you can see in the last version there are Bitcoin and another 11 cryptocurrencies, but if you have a new cryptocurrency and a new, and your community is not six months old, but you would like to use RockOS, you can download a compile it, just like you would compile it over Linux. So even the the cryptocurrency communities that are not into the system can benefit from it, because they don't have to go through all that struggle to integrate Qt over the ARM processors. So what does the future hold for RockOS? Any new uh, currencies coming in the future or new implementations or new look or new theming? Yes, that's correct. Uh, at the moment, I would like to mention the included cryptocurrencies so people can get some idea. Uh, at the moment, the first cryptocurrency was that got added was Bitcoin. But so far, we have Blackcoin, OKCash, Game Credits, Digital coin, energy coin, mojo cryptocurrency, soil cryptocurrency, transfer cryptocurrency, uh, diamond cryptocurrency, Europe coin, and metal coin cryptocurrency. And so far for the next release, we have three more cryptocurrencies in the waiting list. Those are, uh, Dash cryptocurrency, which they, it's pretty interesting because they use an anonymous transaction system and uh, Horizon and we have a, another contact from Expanse community. So uh, one of the immediate updates we will have in the next release is uh, the addition of this new cryptocurrencies and as well we have some feedback because we have an open forum where every new user can request new features to get added into the system or suggestions and, and everything. They keep uh, requesting the addition of Tor and I2P, for example, as well. And there's, um, there's this awesome developer as well working in the crypto environment system that he's not releasing the, the OS, uh, well, he started to release it, but he's, he was like creating all the guides to, so people can create, 
or compile the Bitcoin clients over the Pi devices. His name is Chris Ellis. Uh, he's been helping a lot as well, all the new users. And he's already created some tutorials and guides and stuff. So these guides and all the configurations he's gathered already, we're going to try to implement them as well in the coming release. So the project is really growing in the centralized way, and we are trying to gather all the people that would really like to support and and evolve this system. All right, well, sounds uh, very exciting, and uh, like there's some good stuff going to happen in the future. So if people want to learn more about RockOS or get in contact, where should they go? Uh, we created a website. It's actually open source as well, so in the near future, the same users can start... Uh, pushing their comics to tutorials and stuff. The website is rockos.space. Yeah, okay, well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for giving us your time and telling us all about RockOS. No, a pleasure. Really, thank you for the opportunity to bring the cryptocurrencies to more people. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that was a really great interview with OK Tashi. I haven't had... Too much time in playing with Rock OS since we interviewed him and used it before we talked to him. But after speaking with him and used it for the little bit I have, it's got me interested once again in not just Bitcoin, but all the cryptocurrencies since he supports so many. So I'm really looking forward to the future versions of Rock OS and definitely will be using them. Yeah, and it's so well designed as well. It, the way it's all put together looks really professional and they've kind of taken Raspbian and made it really polished looking as well as being really useful for all the cryptocurrency stuff. Yeah, I'm really sorry I didn't make this one. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the episode because as a slacker, I haven't listened to the audio yet. So yeah, it, <laughs> it should be good. Yeah, Joe brought up a great point. I totally forgot how smooth and slick it's put together. He did an outstanding job putting that together, and I really believe it was just him that did all that. So great, big shout out and congratulations to him for that together. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so well worth checking out. But with that, we come to the end of another Pi podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepipodcast.com, find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac and Albert, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Bye, everyone. Take care. See you later.